Yes, hello. Uh, Johnny Chow with you here again. You know, I want to talk about the Black Lives Matter issue here and that's facing this country right now. You know, I was a uh, first-generation American, uh, families from Europe, and I never really ever thought about people who had different skin color or people who were different. Um, always respecting everyone. We grew up to respect everyone, so never really thought about, you know, people, whether they were black and whatever color. And... Uh, My life's been pretty interesting. Um, I um, I left my homestead in 1975 from New York and moved down to Florida, and um, I wanted to be in radio. So I got my FCC license and uh, approached a um, black radio station, black-owned, black-run, black DJs, and I walk in. And those were the days before the big corporations owned radio stations. It was an independently owned station. And I walk in and the program director, Jim Murray, I'll never forget. He, uh, he says, can I help you? Well, first of all, the receptionist said, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to see the program director. So this guy comes out, Jim Murray, and he goes, uh, what can I do for you? I said, uh, I want to work here. He looked at me, almost fell over. He's going, you want to work here? What What you talking about? I said, I want to work here. I just got my FCC license. And I'm 18 years old and I want to work here. He goes, what do you know about music, black music? I said, I know a lot about black music. My dad was a big music fan. Taught me everything about the blues, about the big bands, about everything about music. The guy put me in the control room immediately. He said, do a demo. <laughs> That would never happen today. Anyway, I went into the control room, did a quick demo. Called myself Johnny Snow. <laughs> Had a lot of connotations back in the 70s. Anyway, I, um, I went in, I did this demo. I got a call the next day and he said, how would you like to do weekends? Two four-hour shifts, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. I said, I love it. He goes, it only pays $15 a shift. I said, I don't care. I'm taking it. So I went in and I started being Johnny Snow. What a blast I had. I mean, it was just Luther Ingram and Teddy Pendergrass and uh, the Spinners. And I, you know, I just went nuts. And in those days, it was disco days, so I would get records from New York and bring them down there before the program director had them. It was outrageous. He would flip out. He'd go, where'd you get this record? I said, eh, downstairs records in New York. Anyway, um, it went on, and I did a, yeah, a couple of years with uh, the station. It was a lot of fun. Um, I did a jazz show on Sunday called Naturally Jazz. It was fantastic. I played all kinds of stuff from Pharaoh Sanders to Ramsey Lewis to Jimmy Smith, and then um, I wound up moving to Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I decided I wanted to promote jazz, because I had done well doing some concerts in Florida, and whatever money I made, I went to Atlanta, and I started doing jazz with artists like Stanley Turrentine, Eric Gale, Woody Shaw, Jimmy Smith, Ramsey Lewis. I lost every dime at the historic Fox Theater in Atlanta. Every dime gone. 
Mayor Maynard Jackson even gave me an office at the City Hall Annex building, and uh, to to you know give me a place to promote it and try to you know build the jazz um, jazz community or get the jazz community to to come to to shows. But at that time, Atlanta was still a small town, and I would get uh, killed <laughs> literally by um, a big producer who did mostly funk and soul shows. So every time I put a show on, he put out Wind and Fire in the same night. And at that time in Atlanta, there was not enough. Um, there wasn't enough, I guess, action for, for for people to go to both jazz and funk soul concerts. So anyway. I also brought those concerts to the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary, where they gave me a plaque calling me the honorary convict of the year. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, um, this is this. I'm just trying to say that you know I worked a lot in the black community, and from there I went on and I started uh, a management company in uh, downtown Atlanta. And I represented Hank Aaron, Henry Aaron, the baseball player, for four years. Commercials, speaking engagements, endorsements. Got him on Happy Days. My first trip to L.A. was bringing Hank Aaron out to Happy Days to do an episode. What a blast I had! Um, had Hank Aaron for four years. I worked with Isaac Hayes for a couple of years, helping Isaac with uh, doing the first syndicated black. A radio show called Black Music Countdown, and in those days we had to press the records and send them out to all the stations. It wasn't like today where you download stuff. And、uh, but it was great because I'd go out on gigs with Isaac to these small towns or you know these little cities in Birmingham, Alabama, and stuff. And you know the Black Panthers would be everywhere. And I remember one night in a in a club where there was not a white person in sight and. I walk in, and everybody、uh, you looked around, and they're saying, "Wow, wow, who this honky?" And、uh, Isaac had the Black Panthers watching out for me, and all of a sudden, you know, someone come up to me, is like, "What are you doing here?" And the Black Panthers went right behind this guy, dragged him by the neck, and said, "You touch this white boy, you're in big trouble." <laughs> I'll never forget that day, that night, whatever. It was a trip. But anyway, so I, had, I worked with Isaac, and、uh, and then I went on、um, to doing a lot of music video stuff,、um, and then went to L.A. and I and I,、um, you know, through the back door became Johnny Chow because I was not doing food. I was always cooking for my clients and friends.、I、even cooked for Hank and Jesse Jackson one day at Hank's house. But the point is that. I went on to L.A. and then I I found myself in San Francisco,、um, doing parties for the Grateful Dead, Carlos Santana, and a bunch of people for the late Bill Graham, who was a great concert promoter. And、um, then I get a phone call, which is way out of line, and I had no idea where this came from. And they said, "Would you like to interview、uh, for a celebrity who need who needs help with his diet? We heard you're doing food for a lot of different." Music people and I said, "Yeah, well, who is it?" And all of a sudden, they, they said it was Michael Jackson, and I said, "Man, I'm going on that interview whether I get the gig or not." So I went up to Neverland, and Michael and I、uh, pretty much hit it off. It took a, it took about a week though before he got 
comfortable with uh, this wild man New York guy like me. And then we became good friends, stayed up there for about a year, helping him get back into poultry and fish because he wasn't eating properly. He had problems. He was collapsed on stage in the Far East. Spent time with Michael. Whitney Houston would come up, Barry Gordy, uh, Marlon Brando, Gregory Peck. You know, I'm not, the point I'm trying to make here is that I never ever thought about race. I always thought about people and what people were about um, because it didn't matter. I met so many asshole white people in my life <laughs> that I probably met more idiotic white people than I have anyone else. But anyway, in Atlanta, in the back in the 70s, it was tough for a New York guy like me because the white guys were very prejudiced of Yankees, as they called us. And most of my friends were black. I mean, I didn't have too many white friends in Atlanta. It was all black friends because that's where that's what my vibe was. I mean, uh, I'm a soul freak. I'm a black man inside out. But anyway, the point is that uh, what is the point? I'm not even sure the point. The point is that uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I've always enjoyed people for people. But I, I what I'm witnessing today is this division in this world with people who look at a black person and, and say, oh, he's black. So what does that mean? You know what I mean? This guy could be a genius because he's black. That means he's, he's not a good person. So this is the issue that I have with all this. And Black Lives Matter has helped with the police because I get pulled over because of my look, my hair, my eyeglasses. And I get pulled over so much you have no idea. So I'm really happy that this Black Lives Movement has actually helped. Hopefully it's going to help with police reform because the police are out of control. The young police today. Um, and I think all young people today are out of control personally, but we won't get into that on this episode. But uh, anyway, that's uh, kind of my story. And uh, there's a lot more to that. But I just wanted to kind of let that out there. How Black Lives Matter because... Your life matters, and everyone's life matters. And, and if, if your life doesn't matter, then you certainly don't have any respect for anyone else's life. And that's what the point is here. And uh, I want to thank you for listening. Johnny Chow's my name. You can go to Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y-C-I-A-O.com or SymphonicSeasonings.com, where I have a, a nice... Uh, collection of my seasonings cookbooks and stuff you can check out and i want to thank you for listening until next time eat well and stay healthy and be well